Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. And so we're going to be unpacking the the concept of discipleship. What is discipleship? And how does it look like for our lives as 21st century Christians in Australia? And so to help us sort of set up this conversation, I would invite you to, to turn to someone and maybe little small groups, have a discussion about someone in your life who has helped you grow as a follower of Jesus, someone who's helped you grow as a follower of Jesus. And secondly, what was it about them that really helped you in that? What do they do? What are some of the ingredients in that relationship that really helped you grow as a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to give you a few minutes to discuss that because it's actually really important, and we'll come back to that later on in our message. So turn to someone, don't know them, say good day, introduce yourself, and ask them who helped you and what do they do that was helped these. It's so good to hear so many rich conversations happening, and I would encourage you to continue those conversations over coffee. Don't just ask about how the weather is. Maybe ask, you know, who is someone who's helped you grow as a disciple of Jesus? And, and share a little bit deeper around coffee this morning. So this um, message I'm about to share, a lot of the material has come from a, a, um, one of my mentors who's helped me greatly in my life called Craig Corkill. And Craig uh, has taught me at uh, Bible College, at Moreland College. And so I just want to acknowledge his input today and uh, thank him for his work because he's one of those guys who's really helped me grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is this word discipleship, it's not really something we use much in our everyday lives, is it? If you go down to the shops and met a stranger and say, hey, my name's Andrew, who's discipling you at the moment? It might be a bit awkward. They might wonder, where did I come from and what am I on? You know, it's a bit weird. You know, but this word, whether we like it or not, is deeply biblical. And it is grounded in, in the Gospels. It's grounded in Jesus' command. It's grounded in Jesus' practice. And it, it is central to, to our life and identity as individuals and also our life and identity as a church. And so some words here help us look at what this word actually means. Metesis, this is the, the Greek word, which essentially, essentially means learner. Someone who's a disciple is a learner. The other word for this word in Hebrew is Talmud, which means pupil. And so we can see that these concepts have, been, have come from a Jewish background and have continued through to our world today. Now, whether we like it or not, everyone is a disciple of something whether we realise it or not. We're learning and growing all the time. We're having input from, from all sorts of things, from teachers, from our parents, maybe from, from TV, from YouTube. Maybe Mr Beast is discipling you. you. Don't know who Mr Beast is? Just talk to a teenager. He's massive on YouTube. Seriously, guys. You know, we we're absorbing things all the time like giant sponges, and whether we realise it or not, it's shaping our spiritual life as disciples as we've been crafted and we've been shaped into something. And so to help us come back to this concept of discipleship, I'd like to go back a little bit to what life is like in Jesus' day and understand how Jesus understood discipleship, which will inform how we can understand discipleship. So education in Jesus' day was quite different to how we do it in our world today. 
for four to six years old, they were taught to learn to write Hebrew scriptures. And the name of this group was, and my, my Hebrew is a bit rusty, help me out here, Beth Zephyr. Okay, I don't know if I got that right, but that's my best go at that, okay? Now, most students um, from ages about four to 12 were in this group, and they were, they were taught by a rabbi, and they were taught to memorize Hebrew scriptures, the first five books of the Bible. Now, most of them by the age of 12 could recite the first five books of the Bible by from heart, just off the top of their head. Can you imagine that? How about that, kids? Can anybody do, like, Genesis for me? No, it's pretty amazing, isn't it, for a 12-year-old to be able to do that. Now, the top of the class, the best of the best, were then invited to go on and study Beth Midrash. And effectively, they would, they would start a trade. They might learn to be a carpenter or look in, in, in masonry or they, they might do a number of other things. But at the same time, they would be invited to continue studying with the, the rabbi and they would be learning the, the rest of the Old Testament, what, what is called the Tanakh. Now, that's what the Jews call it. We call it the Old Testament. And effectively, going beyond the first five books and learning how do you put that into action? What does that look like in your everyday life? Now, the best of the best of that group were then invited to become Talmud or pupils, disciples, and to, to learn to study under a recognized rabbi and essentially do life with, with him and be invested in, invested in a few for the sake of the many. Now, it's very hard for us to get our heads around what that would have been like because it was quite a different world back then in Jesus' day. But there was, four, there was a fourfold goal of discipleship in Jesus' day. Remember, these are the people who are the best of the best. They've been, they've been taken on board to be, to be specially invested in by a rabbi. And they were, first of all, to be with the rabbi, to sit amongst the, the dust at the rabbi's feet, to, to essentially do life with that rabbi. And we see this in Jesus' disciples' situation where oftentimes Jesus would withdraw from his disciples to, to go and pray, and his disciples would effectively hunt him down and want to be with him. They had this desire just to be present with him almost all the time. It must have been pretty hard for the, the rabbi to get any personal time at all. Now, they also sought to learn from the rabbi, to take the Tanahak and apply it to everyday life. It wasn't just this rote learning. It was how does this apply to everyday life? How does this change how we live as, as God's chosen people? Thirdly, they desired to become like the rabbi. So there was almost this, this absorption, and then I, they were seeking to grow to be like that rabbi. Not focusing on information, but transformation. Their character would be formed and developed to be like their rabbi. And lastly, engaging in the mission of the rabbis. Each rabbi had a certain different focus or emphasis, and that, that their students were, were asked to take on that mission or that focus. And Jesus had a very specific focus, didn't he? It was unique as a teacher to seek and to save the lost, to, to, you know, to minister to the poor and afflict and to set the captives free. So, with that in mind, I'd like to play a little clip that's going to give us a bit of a perspective of what life might have been like if you were one of the chosen ones to be, to be invested in by a rabbi, to be a disciple. And Jesus chose how many people? Twelve, not ten. Well, 12 men and also some other women as well to invest his life in to then that they would go on and do the same. Now, I'm going to play a short clip now from The Chosen. Who here 
has watched The Chosen. Hands up. You have an idea? Okay, fantastic. It's really helpful. So The Chosen is a mini-series about the life of Jesus' disciples. And effectively, it, it takes the biblical writings in the four Gospels and then gives a bit of a backstory about what might have happened combining it with the historical context of Jesus' day. Myself, personally, I think it is an amazing piece of artwork. And I have really benefited from it. It's giving me an idea of what it might have been like and what are some of the struggles that Jesus' disciples might have had as they sought to follow Christ. And so I would encourage you to have a watch. Try and get through the first episode. For me, it wasn't the best one, but it kept getting better after that. And um, there's so much stuff on TV at the moment. Much of it is just a waste of your time. But The Chosen, every time I watch an episode, I feel spiritually uplifted and, and built up as I seek to follow Christ. Let's have a bit of a look at The Chosen. Let me tell you a story. You think that impossible things can happen? Miracles. I could never forget what I saw. I'm so sorry. I, I don't actually know your name. I'm Jesus. Are you dangerous? Maybe to some. I saw him. It was incredible. I need to know if we have a problem. The man claimed to be God. False prophecy. Again, I ask you, is there a problem? A so-called miracle worker? Jesus of Nazareth. Apparently something good can come from Nazareth. <laughs> Throw me like a stone in the water. Watch the mud rise up. If we are going to have a question and answer session, every time we do something you're not used to, it's going to be a very annoying time together for all of us. There are righteous men on the lookout for you, and they are weighing every word you say. That's not going on. This is different. Get used to different. We didn't choose him. He chose us. I see you. Oh, I really don't like that man. Follow me and you'll see more. I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And so it's time. Let's go. So, enjoy The Chosen. I'm up to Series 3 at the moment, and uh, it's been a tremendous blessing. It's available on YouTube or also on app on your phone. It's not, uh, and also it, it's on some of the, the main streaming um, devices as well, so really easily get hold of it. I'd to now take fast forward to the end of Jesus' ministry, which is in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, where Jesus has invested his life three years into a chosen group of people, and now he's commissioning them to send them out to go and do the same. And for me, the, the great commandment to love the Lord of God with our hearts, our soul, and our mind, and our strength, and the great commission are the two greats of the Bible. And for me, they, they form the bookend of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So let's unpack this passage together and look at what are some of the ingredients that Jesus sowed into his way that he discipled people. Okay. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There is so much in this little passage about the ingredients of discipleship. And the first one is this, that that those people who were disciples that were chosen by Jesus were real people with real faith and doubts. And our our last sermon series has really looked at this. What's our story and the the ups and downs of faith? But this section is, is amazing that these men and women had effectively been with Jesus for three years and they the right at the pinnacle of his ministry. He's died, he's been resurrected, he's been seen, and now he's calling them to send them out. And we get this passage. They saw him, they worshipped him. Well, that's great, fantastic. But some doubted. Seriously? They doubted? And so for me, this teaches us that, that people who are disciples, are, they're ups and downs. There's moments of great faith. There's moments of of deep worship, there's also times of challenge and even doubt. And that's just the way it is. And it, I love how the Bible is so real about that. It doesn't hide that, but some doubt. And so we're real people with real faith and doubts. And it goes on. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's this Trinitarian focus that Jesus commissions his disciples with to love and to honour the Father, to engage with the ways and the words and the works of Jesus, to be led by the Spirit, to be attentive to God's teachable moments that the Spirit is speaking to us about. It's not just the Father, it's not just the Son, not just the Spirit, but it is three in one together and learning and growing to be in love with the Trinitarian God. I think that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ and to make disciples. It goes on, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So there's just this perspective of transformational teaching. That teaching is certainly part of discipleship, but it's not just a download of information. It's actually action and reflection. Here's what the Bible says. Give it a go. How did that go? What can you learn from your successes and failures in that? And bringing an appropriate level of challenge from, and sometimes you do get it wrong, and sometimes we need to be challenged. And other times we just need to be consoled and said, well, good job, but it wasn't great, but try again next time, it's okay. Jesus had a very high level of high tolerance for failure. Some of his disciples messed up massively again and again, yet he still called them back. He still had a vision for them. He still knew that, that God could use them. The transformational teaching in that relational context. And Jesus has gone on to say that, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's this, this deep relational nature of discipleship. The way Jesus discipled his 12 was to be with them, to essentially be investing in them, to doing life with them, not just catching up once a fortnight for a half an hour Bible session. There was life, there was, there was meals together, there was deep sharing, deep intimacy, deeply relational. And lastly, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, to the very end of the age. So this is this concept of a, um, this multiplication. Go, therefore, go. And this verse can be translated almost as you are going. Not just, you know, go over there and make disciples, but as you're going about your life, 
Make disciples. Invest in people. Do what I did as you're going about your life. Invest in the few for the sake of the many. Essentially, we're replicating what Jesus did. He set out a pattern that we had to replicate in the church for how long? How long? End of the age, until Jesus comes back. And so there's not this idea of, you know, we've got it sorted, it's done. It's, it's a continual ongoing process. So to try and draw this together, you know, when I think of the men and women who invested in my life, you know, and I am so thankful to them that they have discipled me, that they've helped me follow Jesus. These are some of the things that, that, that stand out to me. They, they were real and they were honest with me. They didn't present themselves as having it all together. You know, they were, they were themselves a learner. They were a work in progress. They helped me know God better. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they taught me to love the Father. They taught me that Jesus Christ died for my sins so that I could be set free and not live in bondage. They, they, they taught me to listen to, to the whispers of the Spirit of his, his leading in my life. They taught me about Number three, the ways and the words and the works of Jesus. It's deeply Jesus-focused. It's all about Jesus. They taught me, they did life with me. They invited me to part of their world. They, they had dinner with me. They reached out to me when they knew I wasn't doing well. They, they listened. They didn't just tell me what to do, but they, they journeyed with me. And lastly, they helped me see the need to pass it on to other people. Give me a vision of multiplication, that, that what I had learned, that what they had done for me, that I would do for another one day in an imperfect way. Just, just discipling people is really hard, yeah? It's messy. It's difficult, but it's what we're called to do as the church. It's the great vision that Jesus commissioned us to do. And there's so many more that could be added to those ingredients of discipleship. As we come towards the close of this message, I want to step back for a moment. We've looked at some of the ingredients of what, what is involved in discipleship. And now I want to ask the question, well, what are some of the recipes? And there are so many different recipes. I mean, Jesus didn't actually give the recipe book about how to disciple. He didn't, didn't lay out, you know, here's the disciple um, handbook. You know, here you go, disciples, off you go. What he did is he did life with them and he gave them discipleship principles. And so because of that, there's actually a few different ways of different recipes of including those ingredients together. And you can talk for hours about this, but I've only got a few minutes. So I want to give a simple picture, a recipe of discipleship that I think is broad enough to be able to apply almost to any um, version of discipleship. And this comes from James Bryant Smith's work. He's written a book called The Good and Beautiful God, The Good and Beautiful Life. I'd highly recommend you read that. And so the first one is, is to adopt the narratives of Jesus. You know, we have stories running around our minds all the time. They're like the, the DNA, the, the backstory, the hard wiring. And we understand our world through stories. If I ask you how your week's been, you're going to tell me what? A story. And I will listen. When I start to tell a story, you'll start to listen. If I start to preach and go deep theological, you might fall asleep. If I tell a story, you're with me, yeah? We understand our world through stories. The question is, are they the right narratives? Are they the right stories? Are they God's stories? Are they a lie or are they a half-truth? You know, oftentimes we're responding in our life through deeply held narratives about how we see the world. And so growing as a disciple is about growing in the narratives of Jesus. And I would say that our values speak deeply into this space, connect, grow, and serve. And there are probably other ones you could add to that as well. 
What are the narratives about how we see God, how we see ourselves, what we're called to do in this world? These are the stories that are running our lives. Number two, engaging in spiritual practices. Are we a passive bystander or an active part of our discipleship journey? Passive or active? Passive. I'm leading more to active. You know, we don't just stand by and just wait for discipleship to happen. No, we are an active part of our Christian growth. We can do things to help grow us, yeah? We can, we can engage in practices that help us grow spiritually that are to, for our nurture, for our benefit. In the same way, we cannot do that as well. And so this is where things like prayer come in. Now, if you never pray, that's your choice. You can still be a disciple of Jesus, but you're not going to grow very much. And so there are spiritual practices like prayer, fasting, generosity, hospitality, a whole range of things that we can do that help us grow as disciples of Jesus. And so as we're starting our prayer series, I think it's helpful to see this this series in the context of discipleship, to be engaging in, in prayer practices that will help us grow, that will help shape our narrative of who is God, who are we, how does this world fit together, what do I do when things don't work out the way that I want them to. Mm. And lastly, and number three, participating in community. And so, you know, we're not, we're not lone rangers on the Christian journey, are we? You know, God has placed a community around us and, and the church and God's people is a key part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and not just doing church on the surface, but doing church deeply. Having people that you're sharing life with, sharing your struggles with, keeping each other accountable, encouraging each other when it gets difficult, praying for one another. And, and this is really about connect groups, or whatever you want to call it, having people who know you well, who can encourage you on the journey and, and can at times challenge and support you in the Christian journey. And when we have these three things working together, it really helps. And lastly, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is seeking to grow us as a follower of Christ, as an apprentice of Jesus. And so he is working with his other elements as well, seeking to change our narratives, encourage us to have spiritual practices in our life, encourage us into deep community in order that we would grow as disciples of Christ. And I think the, the, the closest modern translation to disciple is apprentice, as apprentices of Jesus, growing in his ways, his words and his works. And so that's just a really helpful backstory into where we're going with the prayer series. So I'd love you to be part of this. I'm really looking forward to to pushing into prayer. Prayer is the portal to life with God. And as we, we speak and commune with God through prayer, we grow. Imagine what your relationship would be like with a friend or your spouse or someone who's close to you if you never talk to them. Or they just talk to you all the time and you never spoke, or you do all the talking. And prayer is this communication, this, this being in God's presence, this, this engagement with God. And so over the next few weeks, we're really looking at some practices that will help us grow as disciples of Christ and, uh, and to be pushing into that, into those spiritual exercises. Now, my last plug, and Grace has already done this for me, but I'd encourage you into a connect group. I know life is busy. I get it. I get life is busy. And so if you're really feeling like you don't have time for a connect group in your year, just try it for five weeks. Give it a go for five weeks. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you've got capacity for. But 
but at least you've made that connection. You've built life with people. You're doing life in community. So if you want to be part of the Connect group, there's some cards at the back. Just sign up, put them in the envelope, the little letterbox there, and uh, Pastor Grant and I will be, in, will be in touch with you. I'm hoping to run an online Zoom group. I live at quite a distance from the church, but technology allows us to continue to connect. So if you want to be involved, please sign up. And I'm looking forward to going on the journey of prayer with you as we continue to grow as disciples of Christ. Let me finish now. Let's pray for the church and pray for this upcoming series. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that we are disciples of Christ. We've been chosen by you, Lord. I thank you that you modeled that to your early disciples and they passed it on to us. Father, help us not just to be the church, but be your disciples bunch of Christians deeply devoted to following Christ. And we acknowledge that we get this wrong sometimes, Father. I thank you that you forgive us and you call us to this vision again and again and again. But I pray over this prayer series that at the outset of this, Lord, may we, may we seek your face and through prayer have a deeper relationship with our amazing, awesome, heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.